Hey, thanks again for making the time and tuning in to the Living Hope Wesleyan Church podcast uh, at Living Hope Wesleyan on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, all over. And uh, one of my favorite interviews of all time is going to be joining us again, wonderful.com, and that's with an H, wonderful.com. It's Heather Palacios. Heather, welcome in. I'll be I'll be my own welcoming yes. applause. Well, we're glad to have you back. And as I mentioned before, um, I certainly enjoyed having you on. You were so uh, candid, but you're just a great interview person that I'd love to meet and uh, proud to call you a Christian sister. So, Heather, um, wonderful.com. You give life boxes. You sent one to my wife. My wife's doing much better now following her uh, you know, 12 chemo rounds and all of that. Oh so my gosh. I just want to say thank you for that. But how are those life boxes going? Thank you for asking. Thank you for having me again. Let the record show. I can sometimes be a one hit wonder with people that bring me in to speak or interview so that I've gotten a second opportunity with you is almost record breaking. <laughs> um, so the life boxes, yes. Well, as you know, or maybe, yeah, I think you know, we started shipping and sending and giving away life boxes in November of 2020. So in 17 months, we have done 3,415 to 45 states and 12 countries. Wow. What, what yeah. made you come up with the idea or did somebody approach you to do this for people that could just use that encouragement? Great question, Pastor. So historically, I use my pastoral path and my empathetic path to visit people in psychiatric wards, hospitals, detoxes, rehabs, prisons. Anywhere where the down and out would find themselves in dire straits, homeless shelters, any, you know, and so I run to those places when I get a request to, um, and I don't go empty handed because I never, I don't, you know, I never want to leave these people hanging. And as somebody that battles suicide temptation going on 40 years now, um, I have always brought with me a box of essentials that I've used to help me still be here. And the problem that the pandemic caused was I wasn't allowed to go make those visits and bring those gift boxes. So uh, out of necessity, my friend Julie and I started shipping them from my dining room. Hmm. And it's just gotten bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. Now there's like schools that request them, military bases. It's amazing. And uh, you can find more at the website, wonderful.com. And you can just go down and look at the different resources available and the life boxes. I know uh, the journal is uh, awesome. The bracelet I wore until uh, the markings. I want to take a picture. It's a good picture. I love it. How you get the, uh, how you get the, my website up there? That is so cool. I there you go. And uh, 
But I remember my wife, because she was going through chemo, she had the life savers, just the candies that you put in there. And that was one of the favorite things that she had. And it was just so thoughtful. Something so small and practical could just mm -hmm. uh, be such an encouragement. Um, as you alluded to the suicidal ideations, I first heard you on the, the Vanderblumen podcast for um, Suicide Prevention Month. And it is interesting how you, people will focus on one month and highlight different things, but then you have to wait a year until they have that conversation again. But right. I believe you were six when you first had that thought of taking your own life. My question in that is, were your parents Christians? Would it have made a difference if they were, if they weren't? What, why do you mm. think that had such a heaviness on you at such a young age? That's a great question. You were close. I was eight when I um, had the first temptation to want to take my life. And that corroborated with my family, who I expressed this to, and also my journal. You know, I'm, I'm 48. I still have my eight-year-old journal. So, yeah. and I always, and now I have to add that because I've actually been, I actually, Pastor, you wouldn't believe the people that give me the most hate are those nice Christian people. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I, ha I got cornered one time in a meet and greet from, from a, an adult that questions the legitimacy of my story. So now I put in there that I can corroborate the story. But anyway, my parents were hippies and they were part of the drug-induced hippie movement and my father got saved um, on the beach during spring break by some by some Christian evangelists that were his age hmm. and so they became Christian hippies and continued to do some of the things that hippies do but they they, they were saved so they were high on God and high on many things, <laughs> <laughs> but it wouldn't have mattered whether my parents were, were Christians or not. I, it, it's, it's a mind issue and nobody else can get inside of your head besides uh, your savior. Yeah. And so I believe that, that, you know, having accepted Christ into my heart when I was four years old, I've, I've found a lot of Solace in the fact that oh Bailey, <laughs> oh we gotta do a podcast with the doggos sometimes. Oh yeah, I love your videos with your dogs. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I, they would love to join Bailey, your dog. But um, you know it's it's a it's a it's inside here. You know yeah. your mom and dad can't get inside of here, so I don't think it would have mattered. So. Uh, Hopefully it's not too pointed, but during the pandemic, when everybody was isolated, I know for myself, just being around people, I find therapeutic. It's very healthy for me. For you, the last two years, how has that weighed on you, whether mentally or spiritually, not being able to do a lot of the things that you were typically able to do? Yeah, that. I mean, again, great question. At the very beginning of, of 2020, I, you know, I knew this was going to be a public medical scare for the masses. Yeah. I also knew that it was going to be a private mental nightmare for the masses. And most people didn't hear about that because that's not what was on social media and, and the news and the television that wasn't being broadcasted. But by far, the government shutdown period of time, I know way more people 
that died by overdose and suicide than COVID. Yeah, yeah. And it, I mean, it, for me personally, it was a nightmare. It was it was the public enemy number one for somebody that battles suicide is isolation, because mm-hmm. typically, unless you're a terrorist. Are you going to kill them? Don't kill them. Just give them a treat. I always reward bad behavior. (laughs) Bailey's fine. We just have a friend over, so that's all. It's fine. Aww. Can I see the doggo? Uh, I don't know. She just ran off, so. Okay. All right. Anyway, I I love dogs, so I'm like, squirrel, when I hear a dog. (laughs) Um, But public enemy number one for somebody that struggles with any kind of mental affliction or duress or suicide is isolation. We can't, we commit suicide in public, in yeah. private. We don't do it in public. Yeah. So, you know, when you're in isolation, you're in private and it's a breeding ground to take your life. Yeah. Unfortunately, I just uh, officiated um, my funeral's cousin of a drug overdose. This was three weeks ago. And uh, sometimes, thank you. Um, and sometimes how people cope or deal with things whether it was intentional or unintentional, they try to numb the pain. For you, is this different than those that would cut? How would you just compare some of those things of uh, cutting people often associate with suicide, which isn't necessarily the case, or those Correct. that try to escape and cope? How, how right. do you try to help people with these different afflictions? Yeah, you know, there any kind of... Um mental affliction and and by that i mean postpartum grief seasonal depression because you don't see the sun anxiety ocd bipolarity um schizophrenia anything on the mental spectrum um the the problem with it is not only the lack of empathy but the lack of sympathy yes you you see the person in the wheelchair you see the person with um, you know, crutches, you see them in the hospital bed, you see them wheezing, you see them obese, you see them malnourished. You do not see me battling that I want to die in my head. You don't see it. So it, it, it poses just a real big problem. Um, and it's also why it's a silent killer because they're here one day, the next day they're gone. It's because you couldn't see what was going on in their mind. Heather Palacios making some time, uh, Instagram and Twitter, wonderful.com. It's, uh, at wonderful.com with the H right after the D and Heather, I just want to speak pretty candidly because I think I would call us friends. I mean, I had a great first interview. We've uh, stayed in touch after and just think it's uh-huh. Uh, of you in the church, as you mentioned, sometimes well-meaning Christians who do believe, and I believe, that God is a God of miracles. God can heal, He can restore, He can redeem. However, we still deal with life, and often, whether it's our physical health, their mental health, there are issues that take place that a simple prayer does not always fix the problem. If you could speak to the church as a whole, what would you say to them about this perhaps misrepresentation of praying that anxiety away. I, and I've heard it all. I have heard it all. And, and, and just one thing I want to say to anybody that is listening that is in a role of, of pastoral leadership or church leadership, 
if you, if this is your affliction, if this is your thorn in your side, you know, some kind of mental um, duress or illness, let's not take offense. You know, I, I don't believe that, you know, it, it's my lane to take on the entire global Christian church on why they are dropping the ball on mental health. You know, that's not my lane. My lane is to stay alive. And my lane is to help other people who are on their way to hell if, God forbid, they do overdose or commit suicide. So, um, but since you've asked me, and I am, this is a candid conversation, and I don't, I know my heart, I'm, I can say this without, without any bitterness or offense, I, I think it's, it'd be cool if the church could pray for these people. I mean, listen, prayer is sometimes the only thing I've been able to do. And it was plenty. However, I think one thing that would be awesome, it doesn't cost anything, and really any church could do it, is put that person up there during Mental Health Awareness Month or Suicide Prevention Month. Let them tell their story. Hmm. Yeah, but they might they might be awkward. They might not say the right thing. Well, I mean, there's a couple of practical things you can do. First, have them write out their story in advance. Second, interview them. Yeah. Or pre-record it on a video. But at least you are putting up there on the platform along with tithing and gluttony and faith without works that millions of Americans are dying by suicide and overdose. And as Christ followers, we shouldn't be okay with that. So let's talk about it. Well, I agree. I think that's so wise. And uh, on the website, you can uh, get more information, find out how to support Heather and uh, wonderfulwonderful.com. I like how you have... Uh, the expression, it's on a coin or rock, it says, choose life. And especially in this polarized political world, people would think that this is pro-life or pro-choice. But this is just life. Life. Have we missed, how often do we miss just the importance of life being valuable? When you talk to people about choosing life, do you find there's a natural pushback and people want to find out or talk about political things, or do they really understand where you're coming from? That we just want people to be alive, to know that right. there's worth in uh, what they have to offer us. Yeah, yeah. I, I, you know, I vacillate between using that axiom and and the other one, no, just hashtag no suicide, only because I don't want to be misunderstood. I'm not. My agenda is not abortion or or pro-abortion, no abortion, whatever. That's that's not where I'm where I'm at at all. Um, the reason I, I have done choose life is choose life is the first two words of my life verse, which comes from Deuteronomy 30:19, and it says, "Oh, that you would choose life, so that you and your descendants might live." I look at the historicity of my suicide temptations and attempts, and you know, had I succeeded, I wouldn't have been able to marry Raul and I would, would, wouldn't been able to contribute DJ and Andy Palacios to the human race. So talk I think, you, go ahead. Sorry. Uh, talk to me a little bit about your home church, the importance of it. But uh, I love after being introduced to you, I subscribe to their podcast. I listen to the sermons. I love hearing you speak and share. It just seems like a unique community where you are in Southern Florida just to have that opportunity. But how important is it to be involved in a local church where for the last two years, year and a half, it was very scattered at most how much we could gather in person? 
Oh, I know. And it's so funny. Like, this is just like, I am tripping over, I was banging on the church door. I was running people over to get to a seat when we finally opened. Like, sweating. I was so excited. And I'm like, where's everybody? <laughs> Wait a minute. Nobody else is as excited as me to get back into church. Like, I love church. I need it. And I have been just perplexed and admittedly heartbroken yeah. that the masses are not running back to the house on the weekend. Because for me, the way I see it, it and I'm a simpleton, so I always have to have these real simple analogies. But I go all week long and I am I am, you know, operating and driving on this very expensively overpriced fuel all week long. You know what Sunday is? It's a full tank. Hmm. It is a free full tank for my soul. It fills me up so that I am ready to go out into another week again. And I, I still get it. I'm like, why are people, where's everybody? Yeah. Uh, Heather, when you, uh, or can you recall and let us know, like when you started meeting Raul and started dating and uh, knew that marriage was coming, how quickly did you share about your struggle? Was that something in the dating process? Is that something in the marriage counseling? When did that come up? <laughs> uh, well, that's a good question. More people should ask that, I think, because the, the answer is embarrassing for me. But it, it, it needs to be known. No, Raul had no idea. I, you know, he had no idea what he was saying I do to on February 6, 1999. Full disclosure, I was good at faking it to get a husband. And I was successful. And then very, very tragically, right after our one-year wedding anniversary, I attempted to take my life as a pastor's wife in a public parking lot. And he was the first to the scene and was unable to stop me and um, was forced to call 911. And, you know, it's one thing to be married to crazy, but it's another one to live with it. And kudos to him for staying with me this whole time. It's, it's not easy. Um, but I think we just go back to till death do us part in sickness and in health. And my mind is, is sick. And, and I, I feel horrible that I kind of faked him out about that, you know. Um, but he's honored his end of the deal. And, and I, I hope that God really blesses him and continues to bless him for that loyalty and commitment. Oh, definitely. I think uh, you guys uh, are supposed to be together. And just what a testimony he has to share as well. As you talked about having children... Um, you mentioned this last time that you were on, or I asked you, if you were concerned about your kids having some of the same anxiety or ideations, could you just share how you process that with your husband about having children? Right, right. So after that, that, that was a really bad suicide attempt. It was very messy, very ugly. The state of Florida got involved and um, locked me up in a psychiatric ward without my consent. Uh, but I needed to be, you know, what I had done was a threat to myself and to society. So I needed to be locked up. And, and then I went into 52 weeks of intense healing and therapy when I was discharged from the psychiatric ward. 
And I remember during those 52 weeks having this random spontaneous thought, hey, we should have kids. And my husband and my psychologist and my pastor were all in alignment that this was not a good time. And I submitted to that hmm. and just continued to work very, very hard to put myself back together again, like Humpty Dumpty, one eggshell piece at a time. Down the road, you know, now, you know, I was medicated in counseling at church every weekend, in my Bible, journaling, kind of having my, what I call mixology in place to stay alive. You know, we had kids, we had two. And yeah, a lot of people will ask, especially in any kind of parent audience, are you afraid of this being something that your children would struggle with? And I just, I just am not. I just, I'm not going to put God in that small of a box. This has been my cross to bear, but it doesn't mean it needs to be theirs. And so I just don't speak that. I actually pray against it. Now, whatever God wants for them to have, you know, to, to be their thorn in their sides, because we all got one, that's between the, that's between God and my kids. <laughs> and again, Heather Palacios uh, makes some time. The first time that you were on, Heather, I could not pronounce your last name or didn't know how to. So I practiced. That's okay. I can't either. I practiced and studied up for uh, today, but you are amazing. You really are, because the word that I chose, or I feel like was for me for this year, 2022, I really thought about it. I haven't done it for years, but it was resilience. I just want to be resilient. And I just think for yourself, you've been just the epitome of what it means to be resilient, to mm. rely on God, to put those pieces together and knowing that it's going to be a journey. Those 52 weeks probably had weeks that were not easy, but it's certainly worth it. Why do you think people are not resilient or not gritty? Yeah. Wow. Okay. That's a great word that you chose. I'm going to start doing that. You choose one word a year. I try to. Yeah. I'm going to try that. That's really cool. I love that. Um, okay, well, yeah, because I've been in this now for 22 years. I've seen more people give up on the give up on it than, than stick with it. It's hard work. I've I've likened it to it's it's a part time job for me to stay alive. I work very hard. I work very hard. But I've only got one life, man. I'm it. There's not another backup of Heather Michelle Funk Palacios on eBay or Amazon. I'm all the world got. And I've just learned through my Bible, you know, that th how valuable I am because I am the only one of me. And so I'm going to make a lot of mistakes. I'm going to have a lot of bumps. I have a lot of scars. I have a lot of bruises. I have a lot of hidden damage and wounds. But I'd rather give the world that than nothing of me at all. Hmm. Because if, if, I, if I quit, I leave this, this, this gap in the timeline of humanity. So I, I, I always encourage people, work hard to stay alive. Some of us have to work hard to stay alive. But it's worth the work. And there's so much that there is to offer. And I know uh, when we had talent shows when we were growing up, I was I can't dance, I can't sing. And for a talent show, it's like, what am I supposed to do? I like to dribble a basketball, but I don't dribble <laughs> fancy. And so it's like uh, growing up, sometimes you are insecure. You don't feel like you have a talent or something that should be displayed. But just 
I think we're learning to show God in our weakness, and He just brings it all together. That's just a beautiful thing. Uh, right. For for your church that you attend now, can you just share not the importance of attending, but to to get involved and to share your story? Do you? When you meet a stranger, when you're speaking at a conference, when somebody comes up to you, is there still that temptation to hide some of yourself? Me? No, no. But there's been there's been a rollout plan. You know, when my when the boys were a lot younger, there was a lot more generalities used in the story. As they've gotten older, I've worked in tandem with them and my husband on what to share and what not to share. I get asked that question a lot. Um, I'm on staff at Church by the Glades, Church by the Glades in Coral Springs, Florida. It's called that because we are literally next to the Everglades. We share a highway with the Everglades. And yeah, I'm always in, like I, you know, I always meet, I always meet the down and outs. Those are the people, you know, I can't wait to meet at church. I, they're VIPs to me. But I, you know, they have stories, man. And, and there's, listen, your scars can be your bitterness or your scars can be your witness. And, and I'm always encouraging them, you know, write your story out, post it on Facebook, start a blog, join a small group and share your story. You know, I mean, you're the only one of you. If you conquered obstacles that were insurmountable, you are going to encourage somebody else to keep going. But they can't read your mind. You've got to put your story out there. Not everybody's going to have a platform, but everybody can share their story. Oh, I like that. I think that's really wise and very helpful as well. Um, What are some things that you enjoy doing that help keep your mind healthy? I mean, you did mention medication. I know being down in Florida in the sun, that's a lot better than being in the Northeast, where Sunday morning, Palm Sunday, it snowed. The snow did not stay, but my wife was pretty disturbed by it. Uh, what do you do to keep your mind healthy? So, yeah, I mean, I do. I have a mixology. I keep it on me at all times. I um, I get regular Christian therapy. I do take medication. I go to church regularly. I read my Bible. I journal. I have boundaries. Uh, I exercise. And I know my worth. Hmm. That's my mixology. So... What do I do for fun? I think fun will probably fall into the category of boundaries on my my mixology only because I can't live in this prevent suicide zone 24 hours a day. Um, I got I got to I got to shut down once in a while because of the 3,415 life boxes. I've seen the reasons for them all. That's a lot to have in a brain that's already struggling sometimes with wanting to live. So I love to be outside. I love to be outside. I, I, I see God everywhere when I'm outside. And I just, I just love to, I love that. Um, I like to watch. I'm really a new survivor right now. Pastor Jeff, I think I've binged like 30 seasons. <laughs> and I like my dogs. Yeah. I'm a simple person. Uh. So as things start to open up, or I hope they do again, where we can travel and uh, speak and share, is that a dream of yours that you would be invited to conferences to share, to be able to share this message of hope that you have to choose life? And if so, 
what precautions do you have or nervousness do you have about being on flights and traveling all around the country? I have honestly no fear. I, I, I there is nothing I pray for more. And I'm not going to get choked up because I don't have waterproof mascara on, but there is nothing I pray for more than for God to open doors that no man can close. It is in a very difficult world to break into of wanting to speak in front of as many as you can about why you shouldn't kill yourself. There's a lot of resistance, there's a lot of indifference, and there's a lot of no interest. I just got to believe, though. I'm like, come on. I just got to believe that God's going to open up some doors. And if he does, I will be on the first plane out. I'm not, nothing's going to stop me. And a lot of people have said every day is, you know, a day for such a time as this. But I would imagine, I really believe that your message is one that needs to be spoken. It needs to be heard. It needs to be received by so many. Uh, you mentioned just the different things that we've dealt with, whether it's the COVID-19 or whether it's seasonal depression or whether it's chaos and trauma that's happened in people's lives. There is this pull, I would say, even by Satan to lure people to take their lives. And so we just need to address it and not be scared of talking about such topics. Do you think the, quote, church as a whole is nervous about talking about suicide in public? Yes, I am. And, 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 I'm, and I'm, a, I'm the biggest church fan. I mean, I'll, I'll wear the T-shirt and the big foamy finger that says church rock. <laughs> But I, I do think I do think that that they are, and and that's okay. I mean, I'm not I'm not mad about it. I just have to keep praying and be faithful with the small things and believe that God will open up those doors someday. You know, I I think I can understand maybe why churches are gun shy about putting somebody like me up there. You know, to talk about why you can't give up and why you can't take your life. And I mean, it's not taught in seminary, so you know these these pastors and these clergy and these reverends and these bishops and these priests, they all come out with this amazing amount of knowledge and theology. But if there wasn't a course on how to talk about suicide, you know, it's hard to talk about suicide. Yeah. And talking about suicide is one issue, but I also think mental illness is another issue that gets avoided in the conversation. Again, wonderful.com. It's W O N D H. W-O-N-D-H-E-R-F-U-L, wonderful.com. If you want more information about the Life Boxes, uh, Heather Palacios, and everything uh, she's a part of. But uh, just speaking to just mental health, I think sometimes um, we wonder why God doesn't. Well, let me just say for myself, I wonder why God, God does not heal in those ways or bring freedom from those things. But as you mentioned, you can see somebody with a shaved head because they're going through chemotherapy. You can see somebody with a cast on because they have a broken bone and it does not heal overnight. And sometimes it never heals like it was before. Mental health. Why is there maybe even something about it that we look down on that? Wow, you are not as healthy as I am because whatever situation. Right. Well, you know, I, that, that's, I think I look at 
the way we treated them in the Bible. And I think we look at the way we treated them in early Americana, where, I mean, there's the classic case of the prolific Kennedy family, which is royalty to America. Well, one of the siblings was, she lived in a psych ward and nobody knew about her. So, you know, there's this, all this history, even going back to the Bible, like I said, where there's just been this compartmentalization of um, physical disabilities and the mental disability people over here. But the way I see it is I have a physical disability because it's the organ of my brain. My brain is malign. My brain has chemicals that don't shoot the right way like yours do. So this is an organ just like the heart is an organ, just like the lungs are an organ. And, and it is, to some degree, a physical affliction because it's my brain. Yeah. Oh, definitely. And I love how... Again, going back to saying choose life. And I think something that uh, we've really grown accustomed understanding of black lives matter and really understand all lives matter. But those that are being uh, subjected to harm, we need to stand in the gap for them. And with your message, whether it's suicidal ideations, whether it's cutting, whatever the issue is, we need to take a stand for those in need because they're life truly matters. I really enjoy this verse from your website, Psalm 118, 17. I will live and not die. I will tell what the Lord has done. And sometimes we just want to survive. I will live and not die. But the second part, I will tell what the Lord has done. And this is why I'm so drawn to wonderful.com, your message, the life boxes, Heather Palacios, you're telling what the Lord has done. And that's such an encouragement for me and for others. So I want to get your message out there. But speak to me when it is difficult for you to tell what the Lord has done. Why do you tell what the Lord has done? Yeah, you know, even Saturday, I was at an event and had to, you know, tell what the Lord has done, live, live out this Bible verse. And I think what the masses don't understand is while I'm telling my story, I'm still battling with it in that moment. Mm -hmm. You know, I had, I, I mean, I had, I have suicidal thoughts still. I, last week, I uh, had to go to my three, my, you know, and let them know. I, I just, it's just consuming me. I just, all I hear in my head is I just want to, I just want to die. So, you know, you're, I, I keep fighting for others to, to keep living and I'm fighting that myself. And, and when I'm sharing it, those come together, but, but, but nothing's too hard for God. And God is at the center of both of those things. So I know he's got me. Um, now I, I sometimes get weary after I share my story because I'm sharing I mean, it's horrible, you know, it, it's horrible, the, the, the details of what I've done to myself and, and the embarrassment of it. And then if I'm still in, if I'm battling it that day, I mean, it's just a big old barf pile of mess. But um, I, I know God's got me. I know he, he will not, um, he's just not going to let me give up before he wants me, before he wants to take me home. Yeah, and that's such an encouragement. Because uh, last time that you were on, we uh, shared of a pastor that ended up losing his fight and taking his own life. And how I remember how you said that it was so discouraging for you because, well, you knew this person and you really wanted them to live to choose life. But it's also one more that was fighting the fight and they were 
weren't able to uh, correct to continue. But um, right, right. Heather, I just yeah. I just think that you're a tremendous encouragement to me because life is not perfect. Like I could see you and I would say an attractive blonde living in South Florida with a husband going to a large church, man, no wonder she can tell that life is great and follow Jesus, but allowing us to see behind the scenes. It's something, a story that we all can identify with and just the need for God community is just remarkable. So thank you so much for sharing that final question that I have for you. Then I'll, let you go. Um, for those that are younger, that think it's almost fashionable to be seen in the news or have an article written up in the paper, they see a friend that did commit suicide and all the attention. What would you say to those students? That actually happens. I was involved with a family that lost a student to suicide and within a, a month or so, another student at the same school uh, copycatted what, what that student did and did the same thing. And in talking to both families, it sounded like the second student saw the attention and the glory and almost the heroism that was placed on this student and the memorial, you know, her being memorialized and tributed and, you know, honored and her social media actually going up. I mean, but she's dead. Right. Unfortunately, this, this other student bought into that lie and then followed suit. And so, you know, I do speak to these copycat incidents at school sometimes. And, and I don't, I don't play. I mean, I know, you know, you gotta use certain terminology and, you know, be careful. You know what? No, yeah. I, 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 I speak the truth because it's in the Bible. And because if I don't say it, the enemy can't hear me. Hmm. So I, I just tell these students, you cannot kill yourself. It is not the answer. This student did. They're not here anymore. They will never get an award. They will never achieve a goal. They will never reach a milestone. They will never change the world. They're gone. They're done. And you're still here. And, you know, you're the only one of you. So you, you've got to be you, whether it's good or bad. You've got to be you because you heaven is going to have crowds of people. You're going to go viral when you get to heaven because you're the only one of you. Heaven's going to be like, oh, my gosh, look at this one. I've never seen anything like it. So we. We're such individually valuable. We have to keep going. We cannot give up. And I, I just can't stop saying that enough to students. Well, Heather, thank you again for making the time and sharing that message. Again, it's wonderful.com with an H right in the middle. You can uh, look at the life boxes, see how you can support, whether making a donation of, uh, of for Bibles or whatever you'd like to do. There's always a swag available that you can purchase as well. Instagram, Twitter. It's all wonderful uh, at wonderful. And Heather, we just thank you so much for making the time and wish you all the best. Continue to pray for you and your family and uh, the ministry that God has for you. Thank you. And don't cut me off yet. You are by far the best podcast interviewer. I said it last time and I must say it again. Excellent. You should be on the front cover of podcast magazine. (laughs) Um. 
Yeah, I'm a beggar trying to share bread with other beggars. But Heather, thanks so much. You're welcome. And again, uh, Jeff Fuller, Living Hope Wesleyan Church, hopeforvermont.org, and uh, Apple iTunes, Google Podcasts at Living Hope Wesleyan. Thanks all.